Dr. Heidegger's Experiment from Twice Told Tales by Nathaniel Hawthorne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bob Neufeld. That very singular man, old Dr. Heidegger, once invited four venerable friends to meet him in his study. There were three white bearded gentlemen, Mr. Medbourne, Colonel Killigrew, and Mr. Gascoigne, and a withered gentlewoman, whose name was the Widow Wykerly. They were all melancholy old creatures who had been unfortunate in life, and whose great misfortune it was that they were not long ago in their graves. Mr. Medbourne, in the vigour of his age, had been a prosperous merchant, but had lost his all by a frantic speculation, and was now little better than a mendicant. Colonel Killigrew had wasted his best years and his health and substance in the pursuit of sinful pleasures which had given birth to a brood of pains, such as the gout and diverse other torments of soul and body. Mr. Gascoigne was a ruined politician, a man of evil fame, or at least had been so till time had buried him from the knowledge of the present generation and made him obscure instead of infamous. As for the widow Wykerly, tradition tells us that she was a great beauty in her day, but for a long while past she had lived in deep seclusion on account of certain scandalous stories which had prejudiced the gentry of the town against her. It is a circumstance worth mentioning that each of these three old gentlemen, Mr. Medbourne, Colonel Killigrew, and Mr. Gascoigne, were early lovers of the widow Wykerly and had once been on the point of cutting each other's throats for her sake. And, before proceeding farther, I will merely hint that Dr. Heidegger and all his four guests were sometimes thought to be a little beside themselves, as is not infrequently the case with old people when worried either by present troubles or woeful recollections. "'My dear old friends,' said Dr. Heidegger, motioning them to be seated, i am desirous of your assistance in one of those little experiments with which i amuse myself here in my study if all stories were true dr heidegger's study must have been a very curious place it was a dim old-fashioned chamber festooned with cobwebs and besprinkled with antique dust around the walls stood several oaken bookcases the lower shelves of which were filled with rows of gigantic folios and black-letter quartos, and the upper with little parchment-covered duodecimos. Over the central bookcase was a bronze bust of Hippocrates, with which, according to some authorities, Dr. Heidegger was accustomed to hold consultations in all difficult cases of his practice. In the obscurest corner of the room stood a tall and narrow oaken closet with its door ajar, within which doubtfully appeared a skeleton. Between two of the bookcases hung a looking-glass, presenting its high and dusty plate within a tarnished gilt frame. Among many wonderful stories related of this mirror, it was fabled that the spirits of all the doctor's deceased patients dwelt within its verge, and would stare him in the face whenever he looked thitherward. The opposite side of the chamber was ornamented with the full-length portrait of a young lady, arrayed in the faded magnificence of silk, satin, and brocade, and with a visage as faded as her dress. Above half a century ago, Dr. Heidegger had been on the point of marriage with this young lady, 
but being affected with some slight disorder she had swallowed one of her lover's prescriptions and died on the bridal evening the greatest curiosity of the study remains to be mentioned it was a ponderous folio volume bound in black leather with massive silver clasps there were no letters on the back and nobody could tell the title of the book but it was well known to be a book of magic and once when a chambermaid had lifted it merely to brush away the dust the skeleton had rattled in its closet the picture of the young lady had stepped one foot upon the floor and several ghastly faces had peeped forth from the mirror while the brazen head of hippocrates frowned and said forbear such was dr heidegger's study on the summer afternoon of our tale a small round table as black as ebony stood in the centre of the room sustaining a cut-glass vase of beautiful form and elaborate workmanship the sunshine came through the window between the heavy festoons of two faded damask curtains and fell directly across this vase so that a mild splendour was reflected from it on the ashen visages of the five old people who sat around four champagne glasses were also on the table my dear old friends repeated dr heidegger may i reckon on your aid in performing an exceedingly curious experiment now dr heidegger was a very strange old gentleman whose eccentricity had become the nucleus for a thousand fantastic stories some of these fables to my shame be it spoken might possibly be traced back to mine own veracious self and if any passages of the present tale shall startle the reader's faith i must be content to bear the stigma of a fiction-monger when the doctor's four guests heard him talk of his proposed experiment they anticipated nothing more wonderful than the murder of a mouse in an air-pump or the examination of a cobweb by the microscope or some similar nonsense with which he was constantly in the habit of pestering his intimates but without waiting for a reply dr heidegger hobbled across the chamber and returned with the same ponderous folio bound in black leather which common report affirmed to be a book of magic undoing the silver clasps he opened the volume and took from among its black letter pages a rose or what was once a rose though now the green leaves and crimson petals had assumed one brownish hue and the ancient flower seemed ready to crumble to dust in the doctor's hands this rose said dr heidegger with a sigh this same withered and crumbling flower blossomed five-and-fifty years ago it was given me by sylvia ward whose portrait hangs yonder and i meant to wear it in my bosom at our wedding five-and-fifty years it has been treasured between the leaves of this whole volume now would you deem it possible that this rose of half a century could ever bloom again nonsense said the widow wykerly with a peevish toss of her head you might as well ask whether an old woman's wrinkled face could ever bloom again see answered dr heidegger he uncovered the vase and threw the faded rose into the water which it contained at first it lay lightly on the surface of the fluid appearing to imbibe none of its moisture 
Soon, however, a singular change began to be visible. The crushed and dried petals stirred, and assumed a deepening tinge of crimson, as if the flower were reviving from a death-like slumber. The slender stalk and twigs of foliage became green, and there was the rose of half a century, looking as fresh as when Sylvia Ward had first given it to her lover. It was scarcely full-blown, for some of its delicate red leaves curled modestly around its moist bosom, within which two or three dewdrops were sparkling. "'That is certainly a very pretty deception,' said the doctor's friends, carelessly, however, for they had witnessed greater miracles at the conjurer's show. Pray, how was it affected? "'Did you never hear of the Fountain of Youth?' asked Dr. Heidegger which Ponce de Leon, the Spanish adventurer, went in search of two or three centuries ago. "'But did Ponce de Leon ever find it?' said the widow Wykerly. "'No,' answered Dr. Heidegger, "'for he never sought it in the right place. The famous Fountain of Youth, if I am rightly informed, is situated in the southern part of the Floridian Peninsula, not far from Lake Macaco.' its source is overshadowed by several gigantic magnolias which though numberless centuries old have been kept as fresh as violets by the virtues of this wonderful water an acquaintance of mine knowing my curiosity in such matters has sent me what you see in the vase <laughs> said colonel killigrew who believed not a word of the doctor's story and what may be the effect of this fluid on the human frame you shall judge for yourself my dear colonel replied dr heidegger and all of you my respected friends are welcome to so much of this admirable fluid as may restore you to the bloom of youth for my own part having not much trouble in growing old i am in no hurry to grow young again with your permission therefore I will merely watch the progress of the experiment." While he spoke, Dr. Heidegger had been filling the four champagne glasses with the water of the Fountain of Youth. It was apparently impregnated with an effervescent gas, for little bubbles were continually ascending from the depths of the glasses and bursting in silvery spray at the surface. As the liquor diffused a pleasant perfume, the old people doubted not that it possessed cordial and comfortable properties, and, though utter sceptics as to its rejuvenescent power, they were inclined to swallow it at once. But Dr. Heidegger besought them to stay a moment. "'Before you drink, my respectable old friends,' said he, "'it would be well that, with the experience of a lifetime to direct you, you should draw up a few general rules for your guidance in passing a second time through the perils of youth. Think what a sin and shame it would be if, with your peculiar advantages, you should not become patterns of virtue and wisdom to all the young people of the age." The doctor's four venerable friends made him no answer except by a feeble and tremulous laugh, so very ridiculous was the idea that knowing how closely repentance treads behind the steps of error, they should ever go astray again. "'Drink, then,' said the doctor, bowing. "'I rejoice that I have so well selected the subjects of my experiment.' With palsied hands they raised the glasses to their lips. 
the liquor if it really possessed such virtues as dr heidegger imputed to it could not have been bestowed on four human beings who needed it more woefully they looked as if they had never known what youth or pleasure was but had been the offspring of nature's dotage and always the grey decrepit sapless miserable creatures who now sat stooping round the doctor's table without life enough in their souls or bodies to be animated even by the prospect of growing young again they drank off the water and replaced their glasses on the table assuredly there was an almost immediate improvement in the aspect of the party not unlike what might have been produced by a glass of generous wine together with a sudden glow of cheerful sunshine brightening over all their visages at once there was a healthful suffusion on their cheeks instead of the ashen hue that had made them look so corpse-like they gazed at one another and fancied that some magic power had really begun to smooth away the deep and sad inscriptions which father time had been so long engraving on their brows the widow wykerly adjusted her cap for she felt almost like a woman again give us more of this wondrous water cried they eagerly we are younger but we are still too old quick give us more patience patience quoth dr heidegger who sat watching the experiment with philosophic coolness you have been a long time growing old surely you might be content to grow young in half an hour but the water is at your service again he filled their glasses with the liquor of youth enough of which still remained in the vase to turn half the old people in the city to the age of their own grandchildren while the bubbles were yet sparkling on the brim the doctor's four guests snatched their glasses from the table and swallowed the contents at a single gulp was it delusion even while the draught was passing down their throats it seemed to have wrought a change on their whole systems their eyes grew clear and bright a dark shade deepened among their silvery locks they sat around the table three gentlemen of middle age and a woman hardly beyond her buxom prime my dear widow you are charming cried colonel killigrew whose eyes had been fixed upon her face while the shadows of age were flitting from it like darkness from the crimson daybreak the fair widow knew of old that colonel killigrew's compliments were not always measured by sober truth so she started up and ran to the mirror still dreading that the ugly visage of an old woman would meet her gaze meanwhile the three gentlemen behaved in such a manner as proved that the water of the fountain of youth possessed some intoxicating qualities unless indeed their exhilaration of spirits were merely a lightsome dizziness caused by the sudden removal of the weight of years mr gascoigne's mind seemed to run on political topics but whether relating to the past present or future could not easily be determined since the same ideas and phrases had been in vogue these fifty years now he rattled forth full-throated sentences about patriotism national glory and the people's right now he muttered some perilous stuff or other in a sly and doubtful whisper so cautiously that even his own conscience could scarcely catch the secret and now again he spoke in measured accents and a deeply deferential tone 
as if a royal ear were listening to his well-turned periods. Colonel Killigrew, all this time, had been trolling forth a jolly bottle-song, and ringing his glass in symphony with the chorus, while his eyes wandered toward the buxom figure of the widow Wykerly. On the other side of the table, Mr. Medbourne was involved in a calculation of dollars and cents with which was strangely intermingled a project for supplying the East Indies with ice by harnessing a team of whales to the polar icebergs. As for the widow Wackerly, she stood before the mirror, curtsying and simpering to her own image, and greeting it as the friend whom she loved better than all the world besides. She thrust her face close to the glass to see whether some long-remembered wrinkle or crow's foot had indeed vanished. She examined whether the snow had so entirely melted from her hair that the venerable cap could be safely thrown aside. At last, turning briskly away, she came with a sort of dancing step to the table. "'My dear old doctor,' cried she, "'pray favour me with another glass.' certainly my dear madam certainly replied the complacent doctor see i have already filled the glasses there in fact stood the four glasses brimful of this wonderful water the delicate spray of which as it effervesced from the surface resembled the tremulous glitter of diamonds it was now so nearly sunset that the chamber had grown duskier than ever but a mild and moonlike splendour gleamed from within the vase and rested alike on the four guests and on the doctor's venerable figure. He sat in a high-backed, elaborately carved oaken armchair, with a grey dignity of aspect that might have well befitted that very father time whose power had never been disputed save by this fortunate company. Even while quaffing the third draught of the Fountain of Youth, they were almost awed by the expression of his mysterious visage but the next moment the exhilarating gush of young life shot through their veins. They were now in the happy prime of youth. Age, with its miserable train of cares and sorrows and diseases, was remembered only as the trouble of a dream from which they had joyously awoke. The fresh gloss of the soul, so early lost and without which the world's successive scenes had been but a gallery of faded pictures, again through its enchantment over all their prospects they felt like new created beings in a new created universe we are young we are young they cried exultingly youth like the extremity of age had effaced the strongly marked characteristics of the middle life and mutually assimilated them all they were a group of merry youngsters, almost maddened with the exuberant frolicsomeness of their years. The most singular effect of their gaiety was an impulse to mock the infirmity and decrepitude of which they had so lately been the victims. They laughed loudly at their old-fashioned attire, the wide-skirted coats and flapped waistcoats of the young men, and the ancient cap and gown of the blooming girl one limped across the floor like a gouty grandfather one set a pair of spectacles astride his nose and pretended to pore over the black-letter pages of the book of magic a third seated himself in an armchair and strove to imitate the venerable dignity of dr heidegger then all shouted mirthfully and leaped about the room 
the widow wycherley if so fresh a damsel could be called a widow tripped up to the doctor's chair with a mischievous merriment in her rosy face doctor you dear old soul cried she get up and dance with me and then the poor young people laughed louder than ever to think what a queer figure the poor old doctor would cut pray excuse me answered the doctor quietly i am old and rheumatic and my dancing days were over long ago but either of these gay young gentlemen will be glad of so pretty a partner dance with me clara cried colonel killigrew no no i will be your partner shouted mr gascoigne she promised me her hand fifty years ago exclaimed mr medbourne they all gathered round her one caught both her hands in his passionate grasp another threw his arm about her waist the third buried his hand among the glossy curls that clustered beneath the widow's cap blushing panting struggling chiding laughing her warm breath fanning each of their faces by turns she strove to disengage herself yet still remained in their triple embrace never was there a livelier picture of youthful rivalship with bewitching beauty for the prize yet by a strange deception owing to the duskiness of the chamber and the antique dresses which they still wore the tall mirror is said to have reflected the figures of the three old grey withered grandsires ridiculously contending for the skinny ugliness of a shrivelled grandam but they were young their burning passions proved them so inflamed to madness by the coquetry of the girl widow who neither granted nor quite withheld her favours the three rivals began to interchange threatening glances still keeping hold of the fair prize they grappled fiercely at one another's throats as they struggled to and fro the table was overturned and the vase dashed into a thousand fragments the precious water of youth flowed in a bright stream across the floor moistening the wings of a butterfly which grown old in the decline of summer had alighted there to die the insect fluttered lightly through the chamber and settled on the snowy head of dr heidegger come come gentlemen come madame wycherly exclaimed the doctor i really must protest against this riot they stood still and shivered for it seemed as if grey time were calling them back from their sunny youth far down into the chill and darksome vale of years they looked at old dr heidegger who sat in his carved armchair holding the rose of half a century which he had rescued from among the fragments of the shattered vase at the motion of his hand the four rioters resumed their seats the more readily because their violent exertions had wearied them youthful though they were my poor sylvia's rose ejaculated dr heidegger holding it in the light of the sunset clouds it appears to be fading again and so it was even while the party were looking at it the flower continued to shrivel up till it became as dry and fragile as when the doctor had first thrown it into the vase he shook off the few drops of moisture which clung to its petals i love it as well thus as in its dewy freshness observed he pressing the withered rose to his withered lips 
while he spoke the butterfly fluttered down from the doctor's snowy head and fell upon the floor his guests shivered again a strange dullness whether of the body or spirit they could not tell was creeping gradually over them all they gazed at one another and fancied that each fleeting moment snatched away a charm and left a deepening furrow where none had been before was it an illusion had the changes of a lifetime been crowded into so brief a space and were they now four aged people sitting with their old friend dr heidegger are we grown old again so soon cried they dolefully in truth they had the water of youth possessed merely a virtue more transient than that of wine the delirium which it created had effervesced away yes they were old again with a shuddering impulse that showed her a woman still the widow clasped her skinny hands before her face and wished that the coffin lid were over it since it could be no longer beautiful yes friends ye are old again said dr heidegger and lo the water of youth is all lavished on the ground well i bemoan it not for if the fountain gushed at my very doorstep i would not stoop to bathe my lips in it no though its delirium were for years instead of moments such is the lesson ye have taught me but the doctor's four friends had taught no such lesson to themselves they resolved forthwith to make a pilgrimage to florida and quaff at morning noon and night from the fountain of youth End of Dr. Heidegger's Experiment